Welcome to Talking for the Health of It with Permanente Medicine. I'm Amy Kaiser, Communication Coordinator. And I'm James Boyle, Health Engagement Trainer. We both work on the health engagement team here at the Mid-Atlantic Permanente Medical Group, where we serve members of Kaiser Permanente in the Mid-Atlantic region. Today, we're talking with wellness coach Jen Miller about self-compassion. Welcome, Jen. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Talk a little bit about yourself. Hi, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you. I'm one of the wellness coaches that serves the members of Kaiser Permanente in the Mid-Atlantic region. I'm excited to share information about self-compassion with you and our members. It's a topic that comes up a lot in the coaching conversations that I have here. And could you start off by explaining what is self-compassion? Self-compassion is a way of relating to oneself with kindness and goodwill and serves as a foundation for a healthy, supportive relationship with oneself. It's also an evidence-based practice that helps people to navigate life's difficulties more skillfully and empowers them to engage in proactive behaviors to care for themselves. The foundation of self-compassion is the recognition that as human beings, we're mortal, vulnerable, and imperfect, and that difficulty and feelings of uh, personal inadequacy are part of the human experience. It's something that we all go through rather than something that happens to us alone. So self-compassion builds on this awareness, giving us a way to relate to ourselves as a friend or an ally rather than as an enemy. It helps us to treat ourselves with kindness when difficulties and challenge arise, and also to give ourselves encouragement when we face challenges or feeling low down. Dunn, could you speak to some of the main components of self-compassion? Sure. And this, um, the components that I'm going to share with you come from the work that Kristen Neff has done on self-compassion. She was one of the pioneering researchers. And in her studies, she's found that self-compassion really has three main components. Those are mindful awareness, a sense of shared humanity, and also self-kindness. When we're talking about mindful awareness, it means being aware of your moment-to-moment experience in kind of a clear, objective, non-judgmental manner. It's an attitude that helps us to recognize what's happening without resisting it and fighting it or avoiding it. This mindful awareness is important because it helps us to acknowledge when we're having a difficult time and it can help keep us from getting stuck in negative thoughts and difficult emotions. The piece that talks to uh, shared humanity recognizes, again, that like we're all works in progress and difficulties are a part of life for everyone. And that difficult emotions that you experience are part of the human reality. So shared humanity is important because it reminds us that we're not alone in our challenges. While the specifics of every person's difficulties or hardships vary, we can all know that life holds difficulty for everyone. The self kindness component means treating ourselves with goodwill, offering ourselves support and encouragement, similar to what we typically offer to someone else, and also protecting ourselves from harm. 
Self-kindness can take two forms. One is the form of speaking to ourselves in a gentler, more caring manner. It can also take the form of encouraging ourselves to take a step and to move into action. As a wellness coach, you talk with members who are in the process of changing their habits. How does self-compassion impact someone's ability to make and maintain changes like eating healthier or getting more exercise? I find that self-compassion is at the core of a lot of the conversations that we have. I often, actually, in the initial conversations that I have with members, find myself asking, what is your relationship with yourself like? So a lot of us talk to ourselves with an attitude of like an inner drill sergeant, right? It's like, push, 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 come on, do more. We can be a little bit relentless with ourselves, and that tends to amp up our stress levels. There's a lot of research that shows that when we talk to ourselves in a belittling or demeaning way, it really undermines our best efforts and our best intentions. Just like we would avoid somebody else who tends to yell at us or um, tear us down, we kind of avoid showing up for ourselves when we know that we're going to meet that kind of inner talk. The encouraging form of self-compassion is kind of like the nurturing parent or the caring friend who says like, yeah, I know things are low and you can do this. I know you're feeling tired and all you want to do is splat out on the sofa and watch TV. Come on, get up, move. You're going to feel a lot better. When we move into a more self-compassionate orientation, And we are talking to ourselves with more kindness and encouragement. There are a lot of studies that show that we navigate life's difficulties with more ease, with more clarity, and that people tend to take on difficult challenges more readily and for a longer period of time. So this is really a foundational wellness practice. Thinking back to the research, there are lots of studies that have looked at how self-compassionate people engage in health behaviors, and they tend to be more physically active, they tend to eat better, they tend to drink less alcohol, go to the doctor more regularly, and also have more success with things like losing weight, quieting anxiety, and having healthy relationships. So self-compassion is really something that shifts how fully we engage with our lives and the elements that surround us. How does self-compassion differ from self-esteem? One of the hallmarks of self-compassion, as opposed to self-esteem, is the recognition of both the joys and challenges, the ease and struggle of being human. So self-compassion recognizes when things are going well and feeling good for us. It also recognizes when we're having a hard time. The problem with self-esteem is that it's kind of a fair-weather friend. It's there for us when things are going well. When things start going less well, we often experience a dip in 
how we feel about ourselves, a dip in self-esteem. I mentioned that self-compassion um, is different than approaching ourselves as like a drill sergeant. It's also different from pr- approaching ourselves as a cheerleader. Sometimes taking a cheerleading approach falls on deaf ears. It doesn't feel real because it's focused just on what's good and like, yay, go, yay, me. And that can feel really discordant when things are tough. Self-compassion, though, is like the steady friend that is there for us no matter what. So self-compassion finds a middle ground that recognizes more of the nuances that life is really a mix (laughs) of wanted and unwanted, easy and difficult, places that we're learning, places that we're skilled and masterful. And it also is a piece, you know, I guess what I'm coming to is like self-compassion offers us both sides. And so I'm thinking about um, a member that I've worked with and who really represents um, the story of a lot of people that I've worked with, especially when self-compassion comes into the story. We worked together over a number of months. Um, Originally, they came into the coaching program wanting to lose weight At the start of the coaching program, we got into conversations of what is your self-relationship like, and she acknowledged that she was really hard on herself. And so we spent some time laying down foundations of compassion, recognizing how she tended to respond to herself when things were tough, and building in skills for how to relate to herself in a new way. At the end of several months, her life had really changed. Um, And what she said at the end of our coaching uh, series in our last visit was that now there was a recognition that sometimes they were just bone tired and wanted to sleep in in the morning and could give themselves the space to do that. More often than not, not, though, when they woke up in the morning and were feeling like not getting up, they were able to say to themselves, come on. It's time to get up. You can do this. You feel better when you do. That's the difference that self-compassion makes. Um, It gives us some latitude, and it also doesn't let us off the hook. It reminds us that we feel better when we take action. It reminds us that we have choice and responsibility in our hands and that we can do this. And Jen, I'm wondering, what are some first steps that listeners might take to put self-compassion into practice? So when we're talking about um, self-compassion practices, they can take many different forms. They can be small things that we do in the moment, and they can also be more reflective activities that we engage in. One of my favorite um, self-compassion practices for laying down Um, and starting to relate to ourselves and our challenges in a kinder, more compassionate way is a self-compassion letter. To do a self-compassion letter, you basically start by writing down what's the current challenge that you're facing and what are some of the feelings and emotions that are associated with it. How do you tend to feel in relation to this? Once you identify that and make note of probably the challenging or uncomfortable emotions that come up that are associated with that, you write yourself a letter expressing compassion, understanding, and acceptance 
for that part of yourself that's struggling, if it's hard to just write that, it can be helpful to think about the situation as if it was happening to a friend. And so you can start to write what you would tell a friend that was in a similar situation, feeling a similar way, and then apply those words to yourself. As you do that, it can be helpful to think about what would help you in this moment? What is something caring that you could do to yourself, something that can help to nurture yourself, to feel better, to feel more uh, grounded? And once you've done this practice, it's important to notice, how did that feel? You'll probably notice a stark difference between how you feel after writing the letter than you did before. Noticing how you feel afterward, noticing the positives, even if it's a a small shift, um, is important because it helps us to recognize that there's benefit here. And it makes it easier to want to sit down and do it again. And this is something that you can practice once in a while as the need arises, or it's something that you could practice by sitting down and doing once a week. What resources are available for those looking to learn more about self-compassion? Here at Kaiser Permanente, we do have a number of resources that focus on self-compassion, and we'll have those available in the links associated with this podcast. Um, They have information about practicing self-compassion, how to befriend yourself, and also have some um, like meditations and resources. So that's a great place to start. For more in-depth information, um, selfcompassion.org is a website that features the work of Dr. Kristin Neff, who we mentioned earlier, who's one of the foundational researchers into self-compassion. So you can learn more about what the research shows. There's also um, a number of practices listed out there that you can explore and experiment with in terms of um, developing a self-compassion practice. And just as a note to our listeners, as always, the links to the resources mentioned can be found in the description for this episode, along with some additional resources for self-compassion. Jen, thank you so much for joining us today for this wonderful conversation about self-compassion. You're welcome, and thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And thank you all for listening. We hope you check back in with us for future episodes on wellness topics and specials covering specific areas of health. This has been Talking for the Health of It, and we'll talk to you next time. 